Elon Musk is buying Twitter, and since that announcement came, he has not shut up about it, so co-producer Cliff is here to help unpack all of that. It's the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. Welcome to the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. I'm your host, Adam Dowd, and this week, well, it's been a weird freaking week, let me tell you. First of all, I just want to start off by saying, on the night I'm writing this script, I did not sleep much the night before, so I'm barely functional right now. But the script isn't going to write itself, so here I am. I'm in a weird mood, so we're just going to see where this takes us, and hey... If you like what you hear, maybe I'll just stop sleeping on Wednesday nights. No, I will absolutely not do that, because today has sucked. And speaking of things that suck, last week we talked about how Elon Musk wanted to buy Twitter, and that Twitter's board had instituted a so-called poison pill that would prevent a hostile takeover. Well, then they looked at the deal and looked at Twitter's financials, and suddenly it's all... Welcome to Twitter, Elon. Can we get you a new chair or office or steak dinner or blowjob? Yes, Elon will be buying Twitter, and it's going to take about six months for everything to finalize. But in the meantime, we're left to wonder what all this means. So that's what we're going to talk about. Plus, you need to charge your devices, right? Sure you do. Well, my kids have elevated stealing my plugs and cables to an art form because they keep losing theirs. Well, not anymore. And I'll let you in on the little secret to keeping my darlings accountable and charged up. It's a little ridiculous, but then so are my kids, and we will get to all of that, but first we have to get to the news of the week. Before we jump into the news, I just wanted to mention a couple of things. First of all, one of my dogs had surgery today, and he is currently stoned out of his mind. Similar to how I felt when I wrote this script last night. Also, since he had surgery, I need to keep him separated from the other dogs, which means he has to be in my office while I record. What noises will emerge from him in the next 30 minutes? I can only guess, but we're all just going to have to deal with it, bro. So deal with it. Second, this coming Tuesday, I'll be appearing on the All About Android podcast with Jason Howell and Ron Richards and Win Tae Dao on Tuesday. That's what I already said on Tuesday. I don't have to say Tuesday again. That's how this works. The show is live on the air on Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, also known as 7 p.m. Adam Time. If you go to twit.tv slash AAA, you'll see my face talking mouth words for like an hour and a half, which is always an amazing time. So I hope you take the time to tune in either live or on tape later on because everyone is awesome, including your friendly podcast host. And speaking of the podcast, let's dive into the news. Last weekend, we got something of a surprise when what seems to be a Pixel Watch just kind of showed up in a restaurant where some Android nerd worked. It was just laying there on the table, iPhone 4 style, and this enterprising person picked up the watch, snapped some photos, and called Android Central and said, guess what I got? So he sent over the photos, and Android Central broke the news. Last week, we had seen renders show up of what the Pixel Watch would look like, and these photos were spot on. The main caveat here is that the watch doesn't boot up into anything aside from a G logo, but the watch looks exactly like the renders, complete with the proprietary watch band that snaps into the body. 
Now, I know about the watch ban because those photos showed up later in the week. Apparently, whoever found the watch and gave it to the dude forgot to give him the watch bans because that's a totally normal thing to happen, right? As for the veracity that this was, air quotes, found in a restaurant, call me dubious. I suspect that what actually happened is that Google just let the thing leak. Remember last year when most of the specs of the Pixel whatever phone, I don't remember which one, leaked, so Google just flat out announced it over a series of tweets? Well, I'm guessing this is kind of the same thing, and we're likely to see the watch in a week and a half at Google I.O., so stay tuned, and we'll find out. Apple started reaching out to developers and saying, Oh, hey there! Thanks for being a developer and for renewing your developer account every year. And oh, by the way, you know that game you made a few years ago that still works perfectly fine? Yeah, we're going to need you to go ahead and update that app. And the developers replied, but the app works just fine. And Apple's all like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, we totally get it. Of course, it works great. So if you could just go ahead and push out a couple hundred lines of code for the update... That'd be just super. And the developer's like, um, I don't need to update the app because it works just fine. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah, no, it totally works fine. Super sorry about that. But seriously, update it or we're taking it off the store and then we'll cut you. This leaves developers in a pickle because... I know what Apple's doing. I don't want a ton of abandonware in the Apple Store. That makes sense, and there is that old truism that says an app is never done. But in some cases, if you've built a game and that game works just fine, there's no reason why Apple should be going after it. Sometimes you just don't need an update. Apple doesn't seem to get that because the App Store is millions and millions of apps, so it's not possible for app reviewers to go through each and every one. Looking at the date of its last update is a decent way to tell if an app has been abandoned, but there needs to be wiggle room. Independent app developers in particular are seriously stressed out about this. They are usually one-man shows, and hey, I know what that's like. So to have to push out what is essentially a useless update just to keep an app in the store is a bit ridiculous. Hopefully Apple puts a policy in place to appeal this rule, but for now there are some seriously freaked out developers out there, and oh by the way, because Apple is a monopoly, there are no other options. I'm actually kind of surprised no one has sued over this, except I'm not surprised because app developers that don't have the money to pay a developer to write a useless app update also don't have the money to hire lawyers, and Apple wins again. Android 13 is on the horizon, and Google has released the first public beta of its next operating system. The build is available to install on any Pixel 4 and up, including the A series of phones. The biggest change to the operating system includes separating file permissions into various categories of permissions. Now, instead of a camera being able to access all file storage, it'll be limited to photos and videos. Music players will be limited to music files. The theory here is that the app will only get access to the file it needs to function and nothing else. And that's a nice change, but definitely not earth-shattering. There are a couple of other under-the-hood changes, but that's really about it. I'm positive we'll learn more about what's coming at Google I.O., and this is becoming a theme on the podcast, isn't it? As always, I need to give you the standard disclaimer. This is a beta. Don't install it on your only phone. 
Don't install it on any phone that you wouldn't be perfectly happy erasing at any given time. You do not know what this software will do. Google doesn't really know what this software will do, so tread softly, Grasshopper. If you are feeling bold, you can go to the official registration page to sign up for the beta program. Soon after, you'll be prompted to update. In theory, any phone that supports Project Trouble can also install the software, but non-Pixel phones get really complicated really fast. But if you're feeling bold, go ahead and give it a go and don't say I didn't warn you. That did not come off nearly as positive as I was hoping it would. DJI is basically the Apple and Samsung of the drone world. Put simply, if you have a drone, chances are there's a DJI sticker on it. Unless you live in Russia or Ukraine because DJI has suspended all sales in both countries citing concerns that forces were using its drones to target military targets, which, by the way, they totally were. According to DJI, this is a quote, by the way, quote, DJI abhors the use of our drones to cause harm, and we are temporarily suspending sales in those countries in order to help ensure no one uses our drones in combat. And that's nice, DJI, but you might recall when I reported on this podcast that DJI was going on the United States entity list because DJI was reportedly supplying drones to the Chinese government, who is turning around and using them to track the Uyghur population. That harm is apparently just fine, but in a war, no, 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 no. And it's at this point that I have to mention that DJI denies all such claims, and boy, oh boy, that's a relief. I know I can sleep easier tonight, and I know my lawyers can sleep easier tonight, too. But the problem is that the drones are already being used, which means the drones have already been, you know, bought. So this is like closing the barn door after the horses got out and then someone burned down the barn and the fields of crops and the school, plus the convoy that's trapped on the highway because it forgot to bring gas and a picnic basket. Plus, it's a little weird that DJI, a very, very Chinese company, is actually acknowledging that the war exists. China has been pretty much business as usual with Russia during this whole thing, so even this nod that says, yes, the war exists, might be problematic for China and its relations with Russia. All the same, there's not much more to the story here except to say that this is happening, and it's about 21 days too late. Speaking of drones, another company released a drone this week, and it's not one you might have expected. Snap, as in O-Snap, as in the artist formerly known as Snapchat. Snap released a drone, which it calls a flying camera, because that's basically what it is. This is a tiny drone that weighs about 100 grams that you launch from the palm of your hand, and it flies out, takes a photo or video, and then flies back and lands in your hand. It's actually really cute. The Snap app has a few controls, allowing you to set what kind of shot it will grab, including a normal steady camera, a reveal shot, which starts in tight and pulls out, and follow shots, stuff like that. The drone costs $230, which is a bit on the steep side for what it is, but maybe it's not. Because this is very simply a drone that you can just let go and have it do its thing and then come back to you. The Verge repeatedly calls it approachable, and I can assure you that other drones are not approachable. They involve remote controls and sensors all over the place and crashing and dying fiery deaths and... <sighs> I'm not sure what happened there. Of course, the Snap Drone also requires you to use Snapchat, which for me is a deal breaker, but you know... Whatever, bro. The camera on the drone is social media good, which is to say at full res on a laptop, footage gets grainy and crappy, but on a phone screen, it looks pretty good. And of course, this is designed to be done entirely on your phone, so that's a win. Will I be getting one? No, because of Snapchat, but if you're into that, go for it. 
A veterinary startup has developed a very simple blood test for your pooch that can detect a number of different kinds of cancers. Previously, you would have to wait for symptoms to appear and basically hope you had enough time to do any kind of treatment. I lost one dog to cancer, and I can assure you, it's not a good time. But Wired raises an ethical question surrounding this test. One problem with the test is that the cancers it can detect are typically aggressive and or incurable, so it begs the question... Would you really want to know? Personally, I would. Dogs are man's best friend, and if your time with your best friend is coming to a premature end, you should know as soon as possible so you can get all the huggies and snuggies you possibly can with your good boy. Who's a good boy? Who's a good boy? Of course, this is not the cure for cancer that we all want, but early detection is always a better thing. The test is still in its early stages and had some accuracy issues in its latest run, so we're not quite there yet, but hopefully soon we can start screening our best friends for anything terrible coming down the pipe. And now I have to go snuggle my puppy. Apple unveiled its self-repair program that it announced a few months ago, and it rolled out the website, so just let the repairs commence, baby. <sighs> but not so fast. iFixit has found a few caveats with the DIY repairs. Notably, if you want the tools you'll need to complete the repairs, you need to rent the tools for around $49. That's not a big deal, except that the tools arrive in two huge cases, and Apple puts a $1,200 hold on your credit card until you return them, yikes, town, population apple plus ifixit found that some self-repair processes actually cost more once you factor in the tool rental than just taking your phone to the apple store and letting them fix it so let's just say the program is not without its caveats but then again this is apple that we're talking about here there are more caveats in the article, link in the show notes, of course. Overall, it's good to see Apple embracing the idea of replacing your own screen or battery, but it's a shame that there's no real cost-benefit to doing that yourself. That's a good part of the reason why people want to do things themselves. Sure, there's the academic pursuit of knowledge, but we all want to save some bucks, man. All the same, it's still a good effort, Apple, but you can do better. And finally, when Perseverance landed on Mars, it did so with some pretty sweet cameras on board, because if you're going to send a rover millions of miles away, you should at least pack it with some sweet cameras. Well, the cameras on the rover captured a really new phenomenon, a sort of solar eclipse where Mars moon Phobos transited across the sun, causing a potato-shaped spot to move across the surface of the sun. It's a pretty neat video, link in the show notes, of course, so go check that out. The cameras are really high res, so it's a special shot, and of course, Perseverance continues to be the gift that keeps on giving. I didn't really have anything more to say about this, just it's a really cool shot, and it's a really cool video, and if you want to have that video delivered straight to your inbox, go to bit.ly slash news, and I thank you. Hello and welcome to this top story of the Benefit of the Dowd Podcast, Mountain Man Edition, because neither one of us has bothered to shave in about two weeks. We are here to talk about Elon Musk's pending acquisition of Twitter, and we have some feelings, and we're not really sure how those feelings are going to shake out, so we're just going to kind of unpack it all as we go here on the Benefit of a Dowd Podcast. So joining me this evening is co-producer Cliff. How are you doing this evening? I'm I'm feeling scruffy, so not tired, just scruffy. <laughs> Your dog is feeling scruffy too in the background I know. there. That little jerk just started barking as we Literally hit the air. Literally as we so went live. It's nice. like, of course, because a neighborhood dog. 
started barking. Dead so. quiet until until we pushed the go live button, and now he's going. So mm-hmm. appreciate that. Anyway, thanks very much, Pooch. Anyway, so we are talking Twitter tonight, and we are going to be interrupted by a tech yeah somewhere about halfway in between as well. So stay tuned for that as well. But and we're going live in public because typically we do these shows as an unlisted video. But today is Friday, and Friday is the day that I live stream, and we were originally going to do this instead of a live stream, but then Cliff said, can we put it off? And I said, sure. So I went ahead and did a live stream anyway, and now we're here doing this, and it's public, and I hope people stop by to say hi, because it's fun. It's Friday. Why not? Yeah, what else are you going to exactly. do on a Friday night than come watch two idiots talk about Twitter? And, and, and my, you know, my, my putting off things... Uh, is is to the to the listeners' benefit because now you get two for the price of one. So. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, it's it's great. It's great that all everything happened the way it was supposed to happen. And speaking of things that were probably not supposed to happen, let's talk about Elon <laughs> Musk and Twitter. So just to kind of recap, I don't want to. I've I've had this thing at Digital Trends and a few of the stories that we've published this week that we've had a little bit too much assumed knowledge. Like, we have a little bit too much where we assume people know what's going on. So I'm going to assume for a moment that nobody has any idea what's going on. About a week ago, I'm going to give recap it as best I can because there's a lot going on. So a couple of weeks ago, Elon Musk was presumably bored and decided, hey, what if I bought Twitter? And so he went ahead and bought a 10, 9-something-ish percent stake it was nine in Twitter. Per- a 9% yeah. stake, yeah. 9 and then some percentage points. 9 and then some decimal points. But anyway, so he became the largest shareholder at Twitter. And they offered him a board seat, and he said, eh, no thanks, I wouldn't pass the drug test. So um, <laughs> a, few, a few days later... Another company stepped up and actually bought up to 10%, so they became the largest shareholder. Elon Musk was still not on the board, but then he started kicking around the idea, you know, it's nice having a big part of Twitter, but what if I just own the whole thing? What if I just, I don't know, bought Twitter for forty-four billion with a B dollars? What if I, what if I did that? And I, and I liked one tweet that I saw earlier today that said, isn't it nice how Elon Musk doesn't have any real money when it comes to paying taxes, but suddenly he has real money when it comes to buying Twitter? Right, exactly. <laughs> because it's it's basically the same kind of nebulous money here, people. So I anyway... Kinda, um, as a fat guy, this is kind of how the way I thought of it, because I do have some experience with this. Where, where, with you being know, a fat guy? Being a fat guy. Right. Not sure. buying Twitter, no. Okay. Um, so you know when you order dessert and... Let's just say it's a cheesecake specifically, because I think it's a good example. Uh, and you get, you know, you have you have like your expectation for the size of it, what your heart really wants, and then you get it, and it's you know like half an inch across, and it costs ten dollars, and then you think, what did I just buy the whole cake? Right, right, that's true. <laughs> that's kind of so, how I think Elon Musk felt. He 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 had his percentage, and then he thought that's just not satisfying enough. I want the what whole. If I- what if I just bought the whole cake? Yeah. So anyway, exactly. um, so yeah, I, I, that's not, that's by the way, not where I thought you were taking that analogy, but <laughs> it works. So anyway, um, then Elon Musk said, "Well, let's just buy the whole thing," and he offered fifty-four dollars and some odd cents per share, which was at the time was a fifty-four percent premium above the market value of each share of the company and that totaled out to about 44 billion dollars and twitter said 
eh, eh, really? Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not feeling that. But then, the way I see it is the board got together and said, look, we're not making any money here. And he's offering us money for things that we're not making money with. We should probably take money. And so money is good. Just, money is good. Yeah, money is good, especially when it comes to investors. And so now what's going on is that the board has essentially I believe I believe it has essentially accepted the offer. And so now we're in the six month grace period between when Elon says I want to buy Twitter and when the board actually has to hand over the keys to the kingdom and say, here it is. Good luck. Now, Elon Musk has made several different predictions slash promises slash statements. And honestly, like, okay, so Elon Musk was never not on Twitter. Like, he, he he's a very prodigious Twitter user. But, I, and it might just be me because of, like, how all this, like, shook out over the last two weeks. But it seems like... He is on Twitter a hell of a lot more than he was before. Now, maybe I just wasn't paying attention before because I didn't really have to. Because, honestly, a lot of the stuff that he says doesn't really make a lot of sense. Or, you know, taken out of context doesn't and it, really... A lot of the things that really he has good. said, or at least a few things, have actually gotten him in trouble, too. Like, uh, right. his... his uh, oh, it was something to do with... Uh, I believe it was it was it SpaceX or was it Tesla stock? I don't remember. I think it was Tesla stock. Tesla Are you stock. talking about like when he actually got like in real trouble Correct. and his lawyers said you're not allowed to tweet anymore? Yes. Um I believe it was um a tweet that said he was going to buy up all the Tesla stock and take the company private. Hmm. So that he could focus on. That was a couple of years ago and like the, I the, uh, think SEC what happened actually, um took him to court about it, and then that's when his lawyer yeah. said, you can't tweet anymore. You can't tweet anymore before you run it by us, and Elon said, oh, yeah, totally, I'll do that, don't worry. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so, like, <laughs> and then he was going to quit Twitter, and that lasted for about a day, um, and then, yeah, so, I mean, like, Elon Musk and Twitter have a long history together. Absolutely. So, and, and I don't think that this really should come as a shock to anybody, because, honestly... If there was one person who was going to buy Twitter, it was probably Elon Musk, let's be perfectly honest. And here's what's funny, too. I, I don't know if yeah. you follow this account, but there is a Twitter account called Bored Elon Musk, which for a while was one of my favorite Twitter accounts. And it would posit these ridiculous things that also were, it, it's not something that he would say, but you also couldn't put it past him. Right. And now that Twitter account has basically just been rendered obsolete because he's just saying ridiculous things all the time. They just, you just, right. in fact, I haven't seen a tweet from that account anymore. So like, maybe they just went, I, I can't do it. Our work here is done. <laughs> so now, uh, now it, it should be mentioned before we go any farther that I don't think Cliff and I have any real strong feelings about this either way. So we're going to be unpacking this kind of in real time on the podcast. So it's very possible that we'll say some things that are, controversial or stupid or both so just bear with us because this is i mean twitter is not exactly our area of expertise and neither are business acquisitions so you're gonna have to bear with us a little bit the first rule of it's performance also, is never apologize and i just broke that rule so just it's also just a, kinda, a, a very fluid it. situation yeah and... yeah it is a very fluid situation now i just want to start off by saying that 
at the end of the day, this probably is not going to affect my personal Twitter usage all that much. And I don't think it's going to affect a lot of people's Twitter usage all that much. But what I will say is, despite that, I don't feel good about this. I, I, I don't really feel good about giving Elon Musk the keys to the kingdom. And that's that's for several different reasons. And I want to see if I can lay these out. And we'll, we'll talk about your feelings in a moment um, here, Cliff. But part of the reason why this doesn't feel really great is because since the acquisition has been made public slash, you know, been accepted, a lot of what Elon Musk has been tweeting about has involved freedom of speech. And before we go any further, I am legally required, not legally, but like I, my brain will not allow me to proceed before I say this. Freedom of speech has nothing to do with Twitter. There is absolutely nothing about Twitter that 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 the constitutional right for freedom of speech they are not related at all so if you say something on twitter you can get banned and that's not freedom of speech or that's not suppression or maybe it is but it's it's okay twitter because it's can a do private that. company it's as simple as that it's a private company. It is not a government entity. So Correct. before we get before we start going all hog crazy about uh, freedom of speech, we need to understand that basic principle that freedom of speech has nothing to do with what you say on Twitter, unless what you say on Twitter has to do with a government entity. I can say on Twitter, I can say on this podcast right now, I hate Joe Biden. I think he's an old man who never should have run for president in the first place. And you know what Joe Biden can do about that? Absolutely, precisely, dick. <laughs> so anyway, um, or actually what I should say is, can Joe Biden throw me in jail for that? No. Could Joe Biden show up at my house and punch me in the face for saying that? Absolutely. And you know what? I would probably deserve it. But so well, there are, there are just, certain things like libel and and laws yelling that, fire that, in a crowded theater. Yeah, correct. That that still apply because it is a public message. And while it's not a right. A place for uh, that's that's journalism necessarily. Those laws, right. I believe, still apply. So there are some rules that govern speech on right Twitter. So now and social media. Moving on, moving on from that concept. One of the reasons that I don't feel good about this is because not only is the future owner of Twitter confusing freedom of speech with the ability to say whatever you want on a on a public platform, but. One of the reasons that Twitter has been monitoring and banning some accounts and suppressing tweets and stuff like that has to, stems from the idea of misinformation, which is objectively not a great thing to be putting out on the Internet. Now, there is a lot of different ways that you can get bad information on the Internet, and I will make an argument that this podcast is probably one of them in some cases. Um, but when you are, and this is a politically charged issue, so I'm trying to be as delicate as I can here, but when you are spouting fake bullshit, pardon my French, there is a responsibility... Uh, there can be a responsibility and there kind of is a responsibility for a platform to say what you're saying is our lie our lies and bullshit and we shouldn't allow it because you could eventually put people's lives in danger if you keep saying it right 
So now, it, is there a, an element of personal responsibility involved with that? Absolutely. Yes, if I come on this podcast and I say that the Democrats are negotiating with aliens to sell off Nebraska so the rest of us can live, there is no truth to, the, truth to that. That we know um, of. Should I be allowed there? But there might be. No, I'm just kidding. Um, should I be allowed to say it? Probably not. And if I were to say that on a on a platform where hundreds of thousands of people listen to me, that could get dangerous really fast, especially if you happen to live in Nebraska. Um, but anyway, so it seems like Elon Musk wants to walk back. Hi, tech enthusiast. Um, anyway, it seems like um, Elon Musk wants to walk back some of those some of that stuff and again will that affect my twitter usage probably not a whole hell of a lot but it will enable other potentially bad actors and you can make the argument about who decides who the bad actors are fine i i give i grant you that argument maybe we're not the ones to make those judgments but i think that will enable a lot more of this stuff that is not good to happen more and I think even from like a shareholder's perspective, right, when when you start thinking about the content that comes onto a platform and when you start coming under scrutiny for the content that's on that platform and, and then you have things like, um, let's just say, uh, Congressional Congress calling you in uh, as, as, a, as the, you know, the pr- principal in the leadership of that company, you, you start being mm-hmm. hauled in for like questioning because why aren't you, you know, watching the, and regulating the the content for an example, then right. financially it makes sense for that company to start in, in um, ratcheting down, you know, what content is shown and, yeah. and, 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 and on some op- start offering more control um, or, or start taking a little bit more control of it because otherwise, um, you know, the wild West can actually, uh, that some platforms uh, are, can actually affect your bottom line. Because you may have right. a mass exodus of of users, and you know just because of of something that a few people said, and then it got spread, and whether that's misinformation or whatever you want, other call kinds it. of content, correct? So it's not just about speech, right? And so, itself, yeah, and, and totally, totally. And so that kind of covers my feelings on the topic. I'm kind of curious as to where you're landing on all this, because I think you're actually a little bit more okay with it than I am. Well, I. I have such mixed feelings about Elon Musk. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think and I'm, I'm sure. That's, I mean, I've seen some people call him a genius on Twitter. I've seen some people call him a douchebag. Pardon my English, but I mean, these are just those the... two things are not mutually exclusive. By the way, true. In fact, true. they often go and, hand in hand. If I'm totally honest, and Elon but... Musk ha- has always been a little bit unfiltered. He's also on the spectrum. Uh, in... <laughs> a little bit unfiltered. <laughs> Yeah, but that's, he's also he's also uh, autistically on the spectrum, and so mm-hmm. he relates to people and topics a little bit differently. Um, yeah. he also definitely, I I think, I would I would consider purposefully probably tries to do a lot of that Steve Jobsian um oh what's the term um the the re- reality distortion field right, mm. and especially when you're talking about when com- companies like SpaceX, Tesla, and even the boring company were smaller, you, you sort of build the expectation that then put, you know, you put the cart before the horse to build 
the the road to get there. And yeah. the, and, and it's historically it's been successful for him. Yeah. Totally. Um it's a little bit different now because he's not taking over a small Tesla or a small SpaceX. He didn't found either of those companies. Those companies already right. existed. Um right. you know, Twitter is is a known entity that's been around since what 2007, I think. Something, Something like, like that. that. Yeah. It's been around since the the aughts. And it's been, in my opinion, a pretty, as, as an avid Twitter user, and it's probably by far what I'm active the most on, um, oh, yeah. I feel like it's been pretty stagnant in terms of growth um, and change. And, and Twitter has actually uh, wrested a lot of control over the years that I've used it, right? Because they, they've gone away from allowing or supporting third-party development of, mm. of clients, for example, like they used to. They right. added ads. And it, in a lot of ways, they've kind of felt rudderless. They, they've been trying to figure out how to make money. And they're always trying new things. And every time they make a change to the algorithm or how things are posted, and, the, you know, there's a lot of things that the, the Twitter user base tends to get really p- pissed off. Because I think there's like that core right. set of users, right, that have been there for most of the time. Um, and so Elon Musk... Then um, this this gets back to where how I feel about this, right? So that it's been pretty stagnant as a platform, and and you know I don't want it to go away because I feel like when things get stagnant is when you have something purchased, like when Yahoo purchased Tumblr and then basically destroyed it. I mean, it's still there, but it's it doesn't have the active user base that it used to, and that's kind of what I was thinking about. You know, mm. it could have been purchased by somebody else in a hostile takeover. At least with Elon Musk, you've got somebody who I think is relatively innovative. And as a private yes. company, you are able to, I think, move the steer the ship a little faster than when you're dealing with a bunch of shareholders. Sure. So, th- so yeah. there are advantages to that. Um, yes. And because Elon Musk is passionate about, it seems like he's very passionate. As you said, he's on it all the time. Um, about the platform. Right, yeah. about the platform. And so in that respect, I, I'm kind of excited to to see you know, someone who... Um, historically has been pretty successful with his other projects um, mm-hmm. and is yeah. passionate about this take because I, right or wrong, for the things that he says online, it's actually going to create movement, I think. And and because of his hype machine might actually bring users back to the to the platform and bring new users onto it, right? So that there's, that there's that. Yeah. There's that effect. The halo effect with all that. I mean, what does it go back to the, what's the saying? No. No uh, publicity, no no pub- bad publicity. No such thing as bad publicity. Right, exactly. So that aside, yeah, Elon Musk has um, no qualms about being controversial. Right. He's not afraid about uh, to say things that he thinks. Sometimes mm-hmm. probably to his uh, not to his detriment, uh, like we right. discussed with the the stuff with the SEC and getting in trouble and um, with with that financial side. So. I mean that that could potentially, um, if negatively affect Twitter in the future once he takes over. I, I do wonder how much time he's going to have to be really hands on with it, considering all the other things he has going on. We'll see. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't really agree with his assessment of of freedom of speech being an issue. I, I kind of like the idea of of his his wanting to make Twitter his view of Twitter and then wanting to make it more of that as sort of a um, an open forum for discussion without a lot of controls across nations. Yeah. Right. Because yeah, I mean, there are, there are some, um, I mean, we can just 
talk about some examples of the things that Twitter has done over the past few years, rightly or wrongly, that I think that depends on where you stand. I'm not going right. to say anything, but like Donald, Donald Trump for well, Trump, Donald but, Trump. Before, for, hmm? before we get into that, hmm. I, I just want to double down on one of the points that you made. Uh, just because like, I don't want to, I don't want it to be thought that I'm, you know, really upset about this because like I said, I really, for the most part, I kind of don't care, but it is a big deal. But one of the things that you did say, and I, and I wholeheartedly agree with is that Elon Musk for all that he is, has a very strong record of success. Like a lot of what he does works. And for that reason, I am also kind of excited to see what he brings to the platform. That being said, um, you know, I'm one of some of the things that he has tweeted since he completed the purchase has been a little bit kind of um, has been questionable let's say i mean let, let's yeah let's, let's just, just read off out. some of those I'm, I'm curious as to what which ones you're referring to specifically oh boy uh <laughs> i was not ready to answer that question <laughs> well i'll talk about one um, that i just thought was kind of funny but it seemed to make people yeah uh, go ahead i i'm not reading from it but it was something to the effect of i'm i'm thinking about purchasing coca-cola corporation and putting the cocaine back in coke right okay which is i think it's funny only because he's 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 basically right to me like in my mind putting myself in his shoes i see that as he's making fun of the uproar that people are making about him buying twitter and sort of being facetious about it by saying you know buying something else that's beloved and and you know taking it back to a place where no no probably no one wants it to go um right and uh, you know it's funny. Should he have said it? Probably not. Um, especially sure. with it's just the laser it's focus the that he is, has right now. But it's just that's him. Like he, have you ever yeah. seen him try to be funny on stage? It's always awkward. He's just kind of an awkward guy. He is. He is. And I mean, the thing about the thing about like you know buying you know buying coke and putting the cocaine back in it. See, I don't think that's funny. I just think that's kind of stupid. <laughs> but it is. I mean, that's just me. Um, you know, but that's just me. But one of the most th- one of the most recent things he said was the far left hates everyone themselves included but then he followed that up by saying i'm no fan of the far right either let's have ha- less hate and more love okay i'm on board with that you know i'm i'm totally totally good with that but i think you know what what's happened and i don't think this is necessarily elon's fault but what's happened with this with this purchase is it has become politically charged and I'm not necessarily sure it had to, because I mean there is the there is the the perception that Twitter has is biased against conservatives and Republicans and right. whatnot, right. and maybe to a certain extent it probably is. And now Elon Musk is definitely more right of center than left. Mm. So I would call him. I, I would call him like, leaning libertarian, actually. So like a lot of, but a lot of people are freaking the hell out because it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like if, I don't know, if the president went from being a Democrat to a Republican, people are kind of freaking out about that Mm -hmm. and, and, and vice versa, you know, for the record. So, I mean, like that's, that's, you know, so I, I think that's, that's a big part of the, um, of the consternation that goes along here. Now, 
um, you know, some of the other things that he said, and we're getting into the free speech again. The extreme antibody reaction from those who, fr who fear free speech says it all, which he followed up with. By free speech, I simply mean that which matches the law. I'm against censorship that goes far beyond the law. If people want less free speech, they will ask the government to pass laws to that effect. Therefore, going beyond the law is contrary to the will of the people. Reasonable argument, but again, not free speech. Correct. Um, okay. So, <laughs> so, and then, like, here's more free speech. Free speech. I, I think what he's actually saying when he, I, and I, and I, I know I keep trying to put myself in his shoes, but what else can I do? Because I mean, we're we're all interpreting it through our own experience. I'm actually not doing that so much as just thinking about things that he said in the past and knowing his libertarian leanings, and right. the fact that he wants to make his other statements about trying to make Twitter more of an open, uh, secure communication platform. And he, he's talking about freedom of speech in terms of it being an open forum, right? Um, right. Where, where that's where you know, I, I, I have to imagine that even though it's a private company, company, the advisors within whatever, what the I guess, I assume there's still going to be a board of some kind and lawyers and things like that are still going to say, you know, we as an organization still have to prevent against like. Uh, Governmental or, or governmental organizations, especially foreign government organizations, spreading misinformation, uh, right. like uh, Russia did in in the 2016 era elections, and that's not political. That is just something that's verified by the by the government to have happened, not only on Twitter but also on Facebook and on other social media platforms. So that, I right. think that's where a lot of people are are freaking out about it. It's like, okay, if it's an open forum, does that mean, like you were saying, does that mean that? Um, it's just going to be like the wild west again. And it's going to be, you know, well, you're not going to be able to trust and anything. We start yelling fire in a crowded theater. He, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> now, one of the things that he did say, I just scrolled past it. Cause I was looking for not free speech stuff because God, there is his <laughs> Twitter feed is so politically charged right it now. It is. <laughs> um, but like one of the things that he said was, uh, he wants to get rid of spam bops, uh, spam bots and authenticate all real humans. I'm for Me that. Too. Like, I am absolutely for that. Now, that being said, spam bops do have their place. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. But, like, some spam bots do have, and not, and I shouldn't say spam bots, I should say bots. Some bots do have a purpose, and that's cool. But, like, I think anybody who is able to accurately verify their identity should have, you know, some type of check mark, check mark next to their name. I agree. You know, whether it's blue or otherwise. Because, you know, one of the downsides with Twitter is you can ban an account, but as long as you have a different email address, you could fire a new one right back up. I have, like, 16 Twitter accounts that I only use one or two, kind of. I don't even really use Benefit of a Doubt all that much, mm. but I have, like, a whole crapload of Twitter accounts, and there's really no reason for it. Like, I should be able to um, be able to use just my just my dead technology, but, you know, I've had some ideas in the past that I wanted to go with, and none of them caught steam, and that's well, there, fine. There's funny, still, there's funny stories of, like, uh, the pro professional basketball player Kevin Durant, who, and I'm sure this okay. has happened with other people. This is just one that I recall where, you know, he has his, um, I can't remember what his Twitter handle is, uh, but so he has his, 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 uh, his verified handle. one. But then it turns out they there was a, a an article that I think took uh, six months, six to ten months of, of like re research in order to sort of nail down. But 
um, I believe it was actually The Ringer, that, uh, which is now a Spotify property that came out with this. But basically, Kevin Durant had two or three different, basically, burner accounts where he was going oh, okay. out and, and criticizing media and people that were adding his, you know, responding to his main account about things and criticizing them. And, and you oh, know, funny. oh, so funny. And then he got called out on it. And so, I mean, that is sort of, yeah, that's the thing that, that people who, are, you know, are like high profile individuals, I'm sure do all the time is he, he just happened to be the one that got caught. You know, you create the, the fake accounts that aren't verified and say what you really want because you can't say it otherwise. And maybe that's what, maybe that's in a way what, at the same time, Elon Musk is is hoping to get rid of it, but also encourage, you know, in, in I guess as a high-profile individual, you still don't, especially if you have someone that's running your PR for you, say more of the things through your verified account, but make it, make, get rid of the uh, spam accounts that people create that just can say whatever they want because they're anonymous and there's no consequences, right? So that... People can just be themselves on Twitter a little bit more. I, I see both sides of it. So, again, you know, I, I don't have a lot of strong feelings about this. I but I, I I understand. I think some of what Elon is talking about here. It's just it's it's a it's a tightrope to walk, right? It is because and because, the question is is Elon prepared to walk that tightrope? Because I'm not sure he is. I, yeah. I think. I think he is very much a tweet first, ask questions later <laughs> type of guy. And it kind of makes me wonder, like, when you're dealing with something as delicate as public discourse, is he the right person to deal with that? And before we answer that question and talk mm. about one other aspect before we wrap things up, it is time to do a little tech, yeah. So speaking of no repercussions, my children have turned stealing my plugs and cables um, into an art form because they will charge up their devices maybe lose the cord behind their bed, maybe take it to a friend's house and leave it there, whatever the case. They are always coming to... They know where I keep my wall warts, and they're always coming and emptying them out. And, like, every three months or so, I have to walk around and, like, pick up all the different wall warts and cables um, and bring them back to my desk. And that's especially problematic when I'm trying to do, test, like, a review device and I need to use the proprietary cable that came with the proprietary plug in order to get the 65 watts of charging for, like, the OnePlus 10 Talk Pro. Talking about you, Hook Charging. So, I solved that problem, Ooh. and I want to show you exactly how I did it. This here is an Anchor 20-watt charger. This here is a USB-C to lightning cable. This here is a USB-C to USB-C sure, cable. that's not spaghetti. And this here <laughs> is an Apple tag. Ah. They are all duct taped together. <laughs> so, and you, as you can see, I duct, duct taped it in such a way that you can like run the cables through and you can make them longer or shorter. So basically like the way it works is, you know, you keep these end over at this end here and then whichever one you need and no, you can't charge more than one device at a prime. And no, that's not my problem. So you just plug in that, you plug in the other end and you're good. And when you're done with that, you need to charge up your iPad. You plug in that. You plug in the other end, and you're good to go. You're getting 20 watts of charging, so it's not slow charging. You know, Wait, it's fairly um, you, fairly robust. Are you doing a tech yaw for, for duct tape? 
I'm doing a tech yeah for a thing that involves duct tape. Yes. <laughs> so um, I'll I will even if you DM me, I will even tell you how I made this little attachment thing that allows you to slide the cables through using only duct tape. It's not that hard actually. Um, basically, you just make a sleeve with the sticky side facing out, and then you tape all all three sleeves together. So that and then same thing over here, you make a sleeve with a sticky side. Hmm. Say, and then you do like a little thing, and then you do another little thing around it. Say, it's really interesting. It almost and, looks and like and for those of you, like it's it's thick. Like you didn't just use like one one strip oh no. of duct tape. Oh no, I'm not messing around with this. Now, for those of you who are listening to the high quality feed, sorry, um, but I'm kind of like waving these things around. But basically, what it is is it's an amper, an anchor, twenty amp, uh, twenty watt charger, twenty amp charger. <laughs> Jesus, um, and it's an app, and, and it's an air tag. And it's a an anchor. Uh, I want to say it's a six foot iPhone or iPad cable, and then like a three foot uh, USB C to USB C cable, and they are all attached together. So now, when my children says I need to charge my phone, I can whip out the iPhone and say your charger is right over there. Go <laughs> get it. So um, is this stupid and overbuilt? Yes. Absolutely. Um, is it using a cannon to kill a mosquito? Kind of. It, it kind of is. Because, I mean, I'll be honest, I have, a, I have a bunch of wall chargers and I have a bunch of cables, but I was sick of them stealing mine. So is this stupidly expensive for what it is? Absolutely. This wall charger is 20 bucks. Each of these cables were about like five bucks a piece, and the AirTag is about 30 bucks. So, I mean, all told, I'm holding about $60 worth of charging equipment in my hand right now. And, but the, the nice thing is, my kids will not be able to lose this, and oh, they'll be able to charge. <laughs> and they'll be able to charge whatever device they need to charge because they both have iPads and they both have um, USB C um, phones. So, um, again, is it is it stupid and over-engineered and overbuilt? Absolutely. I will be the first to admit that. But if you want to build one for yourself, maybe you have trouble keeping track of your cables and chargers. I'm not going to judge. You know, whatever you want to use this for, that's fine. Plus, since these both belong to my kids when we travel, these will go into their backpacks, and then I will know where my kids are. So that is, uh, that is a benefit. Um, so... Yeah, all told, like I said, it's about sixty bucks, give or take, with everything included. Oh, there's also a little Apple tag, a uh, little um, um, oh, the little case for it, the little dog the tag. rubber case for it. Yeah, yeah which I want to say I got like a pack of four of these for like ten bucks or something. Links to all of this stuff will be in the show notes and in the description down below if you're watching on YouTube. So go check that out, and if you pick some up, you'll be helping out the show, and you'll have my thanks. But for now. Let's talk about Musk Bros. Mm. Because along with Elon Musk on Twitter, we also have to deal with Elon Musk acolytes or Elon Musk fans or whatever you want to call them. Now, in one particular case, Elon Musk tweeted a meme from the Joe Rogan experience with oh God. Vijaya, Vijaya Gotti. I don't know. It's V-I-J-A-Y-A. G-A-D-D-E. is it, So she, uh, the top censorship advocate at Twitter. So basically, it's one of Twitter's lawyers um, who deals with like censorship issues, mm-hmm. basically. Um, and Elon Musk tweeted a, a meme of her 
talking to some dipshit on the Joe Rogan experience, pardon my French, um, and it was about bias and stuff like that. Long story short, um, the the lawyer started getting like death threats and racial remarks tossed at her by the Elon Musk faithful. And try to take a moment to understand, this is a Twitter employee. Elon Musk will soon be her boss. I mean, maybe not for long, but, um, but I mean, still, like, Elon Musk is actively calling out, and this is and this is the most prominent um, example. But he has done this for several of the top brass at Twitter. Basically, publicly called them out on Twitter, and not intentionally, but because he did that, the Musk Bros all started diving in and you know tossing you know f bombs and and other you know not fun language sometimes their direction the, uh, public personalities are not even the worst people it's like justin bieber oh, no. justin bieber's followers or <laughs> elon musk no 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 are are most actually of the, time, the most are are the worst people no it's their fans yeah exactly it's their it's the it's and and you know i'm not going to disparage fandom i mean lord knows i'm fans of several different things including the chicago cubs and the blackhawks and whatnot but like in my in my case that fandom is fairly tempered um, by (laughs) by reality basically i'm not going to you know my identity isn't defined by the things that i am fans of but let's not forget that fan is short for fanatic and so like well adam that's because you're a decent human being I can right, them. and and thank you, and um and and back at you, um but you know the the people on Twitter are not necessarily the most decent human beings, especially those, and I no not that's not right that's not right that's not right because look Elon Musk has eighty seven million followers chances are there's a couple bad apples in right. there, and it's not the majority <laughs> there's good people on both sides no it's not the majority of Elon Musk fans but there are. Elon Musk fans, when you have 87 million followers, even as usually the worst. Mm -hmm. So what's the math here? If even half of a percent of his followers are a-holes, that's still... 10,000 people. uh, No, it would be eight. eight, It would be eight. So 87 million followers, 1% of that would be 870,000. So half a percent of that would be 435,000 people. That's half a percent of his following. If half of a percent of his following are bad people, that's 400,000 people that follow him that would just assume spit on your face as as as, as put out the... If your clothes are on basically, fire, they just assume piss on you. Basically the size the of, of a medium-sized city, like a Baltimore. Yes, hmm. yes. And, and by calling these people out, Elon Musk is inadvertently, probably setting 400,000 people on these these individuals that have no recourse they have no way to fight back these the these people they have nothing that they can do it's just you know um the other day um Jeremy Johnson who is the editor in chief of Android Central made the mistake <laughs> mm. of of replying of replying to an Elon Musk tweet. Let me let me pull it up and like make sure 
I'm I'm even, doing the right thing. Even the Tesla Rati are are sometimes oh, awful. You know what? It was the uh, it was the Coke thing. Mm. <laughs> it was the Coke thing. Putting Coke thing, and he just replied back and said, "What's what the hell is wrong with you, bro?" And um, let's see, how many replies does that have right now? Let me see. Um. Oh, 39 likes. I don't I I can't see the number of replies for some reason. Like I can't see the thread unless of course he like I don't know, is there a way to, he might have turned off mentions, but um let's just say when I I I I I texted him the other day when I saw this and I just said RAP your mentions, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, um I don't know where the replies are. Why can't I see that? I wonder if like something got turned off or something. Did he mute it? But um, maybe I don't know. Hmm. Um, I don't know how that works. I don't but either. anyway, there were there were several things most of the <laughs> there were several dozen replies within minutes of me seeing the tweet, and so like this was not, um, you know, this was not short. Um, but anyway, so like, so that's a problem, and that is a problem that I don't think Elon Musk cares to deal with, to be honest. And as long as he is. As long as he is, and, and, and this would be true whether or not he owned Twitter or not, but as long as he's willing to call people out publicly, he is setting 400,000 people on them. It's true. Inadvertently. So, I mean, that's kind of a problem. And by the way, Elon, that's one of the problems that you're going to be expected to solve when you are in charge. So keep that in mind. Maybe he's just getting it um, all now before he actually owns the company. <laughs> right. I doubt and it. I, and I guess... And I guess we need to wrap this up because mm. we're going long. But the last thing that I want to say here is that I'm very nervous about a platform that is basically essential to my job being owned by a guy who started a tunneling company because he was stuck in traffic one day. <laughs> now, there are two sides to that. Yeah. The first side is that he has an actually fairly respectable tunneling company Based on the fact that he got bored in traffic one day, that he got stuck in traffic one day. Like, he has actually built up this company and turned it into a thing. Major props for that. But at the, at the same time, did he really have to do that? <laughs> I don't know. So, I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, it, it, I'm, I'm very nervous about that. And as a member of the media, I am one of the... 25% of users that generates 97% of the content on Twitter. Um, but it, it makes me a little bit nervous. I would be lying if I said that I am 100% confident in the future of Twitter under the ownership of Elon Musk. So so my counter to that, if you want to call it a counter, okay. is that <laughs> while Elon Musk is the public face positively or negatively for SpaceX and for Tesla... And for the boring company, and I guess eventually for Twitter, assuming that everything goes through, and um, which it may not, which it may not. I mean, but... that's we we there next week, and this is the problem with a situation that I said at the beginning is so fluid that you know, there, when yeah. this comes out, it could be done. I mean, who knows? I hope not. Um, but going yeah. back to what I was saying is that you know he's he's one person, right? He's the face of the company, but I this the what makes or breaks the success. Of any of those companies, and this may sound it's obvious, but it's the people that he's yeah. hired, the talent. Totally agree. Right? And totally so, agree. 
yes, he's going to be the face of Twitter. Yes, I'm sure he's going to come in and kind of like when a new president comes in and they, they've made those promises, right? Like I've got a day one, we're going to sign these bills, you know. Um, right. You know, I, I, I think he's probably going to clean house, especially in, in the upper um, echelons of the company and bring in people mm-hmm. that he trusts or in, to make the changes that he wants. But ultimately, it's going to be up to uh, the people that are day to day running the company. And so this is why right. I went. This is why I was I don't want to say nonchalant about it, but, you know, everybody. You know, because it's the easy thing to do, because it, it made a lot of news was wringing their hands. Lots of people are hand ringers. I tend not to be. I guess it depends on what the what the situation is. But I'm just kind of taking away you in your hands a little bit. Not about this, but about other things. Right. But anyway, uh, go ahead. At least with this, because <laughs> because I'm taking away an NC approach. Because there's so much more to to oh, yeah. a company than just the one person. And and um, you know, I I'm not saying that the people that were wringing their hands are wrong or don't have a reason to, to do that. I'm just saying maybe. You know, sit on your hands for a few months and give it a chance before we months. all make snap judgments. You know, the internet's right. about snap judgments. I get that. I do it all the time. Like I said, it just depends on the topic. And like as you said, you've wrung your hands. But I think it's something. You know, the older I get, the more I I sort of tend to be a little more chill with this sort of thing because most of the sure. time, the way you think it's going to work out isn't. It's not the way. It and works half out. the time, when these mergers happen, they just don't. So yeah. So and 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 to that end, I should mention that there is a clause in the SEC contract that says that this this whole deal can fall apart if Elon Musk directly disparages any of the upper management of Twitter during the time the acquisition is being approved. <laughs> That's why he's and he has already done that. <laughs> he is no, he's already done oh. that. Like the board could tomorrow say, you know what, you violated this contract, that'll be a billion dollars, please, yep. thank you very much, because it's a it's a billion dollar escape clause, pill, I believe is what right, it is. Yeah, um, I, yeah uh, but anyway, so like, it would it would cost Elon Musk a billion dollars if the board just kind of called him on his crap and said, well, you know what, you're, you are disparaging Twitter's upper management, so Sia wouldn't want to be you, and by the way, we're going to suspend your account just because we're dicks. Anyway, um, so there is that. Right. But And then, like, the final thoughts are, I mean, I, I, I know I've been a bit doom and gloomy on this podcast, and I don't necessarily want to be, because I, like I said at the beginning, this is probably not going to affect my day-to-day use of Twitter, and that's fine, um, you know. Having a Republican president, having Donald Trump as president, did not affect my day-to-day life as a citizen of the United States. I recognize that fully. And you know what? Having Joe Biden as president has not affected my day-to-day life as a citizen. Um, So, like, as much as we like to hand-ring over this, this is going to be the equivalent of, if so-and-so becomes president, I'm moving to Canada. Nobody's calling you U-Haul truck. So we're all going to be here on Twitter tomorrow, and we'll all be, be here on Twitter. Excuse me, we'll all be here on Twitter a year from now. So let's just let's just move on and, from there. And, and the um, thing that I keep thinking about, right? I, I I've made a few sports references and analogies anyway. But if you're a fan of a small market team, and I sort of almost feel like I don't want to say Twitter is a small market team, but Twitter hasn't really grown. It hasn't changed. And I think I was talking about this earlier. But you know, and but right. Like, five, six, seven years. I mean, it's just kind of just been there. And yeah. I feel like they haven't made any significant changes to go one way or the other. I would 
much rather because this was actually my fear with Twitter. I'm like, if Twitter goes away, I mean, I'm pretty much done with social media because I don't really use Facebook. I mean, there might be something that comes along, but you know, I have yeah. met so many people through, um, you know, being Twitter. connected to people on Twitter talking about the stuff that we normally talk about on here. So it's well, important. To be to fair, me. you live in Iron Gate. There's no other people there. So. Couldn't let that pass. <laughs> Couldn't let that pass. Sorry. So, I would. I'm. I'm hoping to see them take a, a swing for the fences. Right. If you're in sports, that's you know trading away some, you know, two or three staple players for that one superstar. Right. It may not work right. out, but at least you. At least you're. Out, at least you went out swinging, and that's. That's what I'm hoping for with Twitter. Hopefully they don't go out swinging, but that they, you know, are going to are willing go out, to take some yeah. chances, and 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 hopefully it works out for the best. Yeah, agree, agree, and and again, maybe this will be great, the greatest thing to happen to the uh, to the platform. Totally willing to believe that that could happen. So, uh, but for now, we're just gonna have to wait and see. And while you're waiting and seeing, we're gonna go ahead and close out this episode of the podcast. Please consider subscribing to this podcast if you enjoyed it, and if you really enjoyed it, I would love it if you would write a review for the show. If you want some early access, jump onto Patreon at patreon.com slash benefit of a doubt. You can write to the show by visiting benefitofadoubt.com slash contact. I'd like to thank co-producer Cliff for all of his hard work behind the scenes and for coming out and talking about Twitter. And by the way, if you're a Musk bro, you can ignore everything that I just said in the last 15 seconds. But most of all, and as always, I'd like to thank you for listening and for giving me the benefit of the doubt. As I sit there and leave an instruction manual for Musk Bros to come after me. (laughs) (laughs) 